What do you think? Beth Summers turned around and burst out laughing as her grandmother. Grandma banished a bright red feather bubba round her shoulders. It used to belong to my mother, continued Beth Crane as she juggled her hips, causing her twelve-year-old granddaughter to laugh even more. You could put it on the Christmas tree if we can't find the tinsel, replied Beth. They were hunting in the attic for the Christmas decorations. They found all manner of things of not a booba in sight. As a laughing aside, Beth pulled an old blanket off a dusty box, uncovered copper pots and pans, and something that looked quite out of place. Putting it free, Beth held it a frame, some kind of grand over. Now this belonged to my great grandmother, said the old lady. For a moment it seemed to stir and half Mary, before she added, I've forgotten all about it. It's the advent current she was given the first Christmas. The frame was a dull silver colour, about the size of a large book. It is his winter get the, the design. And Beth thought it looked quite beautiful. She could see small hinged windows all over its surface, some of which were open, and behind each one was a very old photograph. Yes, she is. Oh, there, murmured Graham wistfully, as she pointed out to the tiny spectre images, a baby in a pretty white dress. Aha! Moving the box of pots and pans aside, filled another, crammed full of decorations. I think we deserve a cup of tea now we've found these. She announced and picked up the box. She made her way up the attic. Beth went out, went to put the advent candle back, but on a sudden impulse decided to take it with her. After switching the light to Atlantic attic light, off the Atlantic light, made her way downstairs. Some hours later, she was putting off the finishing, but was putting finishing touches to the Christmas tree, which sparkled as the tree lights caught the reflected glow. Decorations, Gwen's living room, despite being quite large, was warm and cosy. Beth loved seeing the grand and had jumped at the chance to spend a few days ahead on holidays. Parents arrived on Christmas Eve, so Beth had a grandmother, all grandma, all to herself, for nearly done of a week. Exhausted, they both plopped down on the chairs of our room, their handiwork, next to Beth's chair, a small round, slightly battered mahogany table. Lay the advent calendar, picking that up, she studied it more closely. On each of the closed windows, she could make out on eight numbers. Beth tried to close one of the open windows, but it wouldn't budge. Neither would the next to the, would the next or the next probably rusted open, thought Beth, the lowest number. You could see closed was not fifteen. Today's the fifteenth, declared Beth, rather more loudly than she intended. That's right, dear, muttered around muttered around. His voice trailed off as she fell asleep. Beth reached the window, and just the gentlest touch it swung open. What was that lightning? Beth looked up sharply. A burst of cold air made her shiver and jump at the same time. The room was dark and the ground was gone. Christmas tree stood in a slightly different position and was now unlit. While they had been a few been a gas fire seconds earlier, log fire roared, but did not little wall to rule the room. Wallpaper was more astute and somehow the furniture changed. Round the holy table, still stood by Beth's chair, but looked like new and unscathed. Must be dreaming, thought Beth, but another cold, chilly breeze 
made her think again. She checked, reached out, touching the table, and suddenly a smooth, rubbery scar beneath her fingers. It was old again. The room had returned to its usual state, and the ground was sleeping quietly. <coughs> Shaken, Beth stood, and in spite of her instincts, reached for the seventeenth window. In rain, firmly shut. Realising she put, had been holding her breath, she let out a deep sigh of relief and put the candle down. Just a silly dream, she muttered to herself. And she tiptoed to the room to get ready for the bed. It's getting late, after all. Just a silly dream. The following morning is bright and sunny, promising. Crandon knit into town for a spot of Christmas shopping. Beth was in the bedroom, finishing the last of holiday homework. Satisfied with answers, she closed in her school box and wandered out to the landing, which overlooked the hall below. Her grand lived in a grand old Victorian house, been in the family for generations. Beth descended the wide, sweeping staircases, which also made her feel like a movie star and went through to the lounge. The American was sparkling in the sunlight, and Beth picked it up, smiling as she looked at the photographs, and then her heart seemed to miss a beat as she saw, for the first time, the fifteenth photograph. He was at the living room, and she dreamt of the light at the floor. Heart pounded as she again tried to open the seventeenth window. This time she felt it move, slightly beneath her fingertips. Nevertheless, the light, Beth shivered as the temperature plummeted, and she found herself in a strange, muddy room. Once more, this time, he's standing and clearly not falling asleep. Virginia took a step forward. This was real. It was a grand living room, though. Low, the exterior of the small little table. He didn't recognise anything. Unlike a Christmas tree, one in this room was cold and sinister. It was dark outside, and the room was lit only by candles. Walking over to the, one of the windows, he pulled up back a curtain. It's snowing outside, and on the bold white lawn, Beneath the oak tree, you could see a small, strange blue wooden box. The oak tree was even much smaller. He looked younger. How is that possible? The door was always suddenly swung open. A tall, willow-loving woman entered the room. She was pale and smiling, her black hair tied tightly and neatly in a bun. She wore a pristine white pinafore over a long black dress that just touched the floor. Hello, stammered Beth. A shaky voice echoing round the room. She ignored her completely, bent over next to the fire log, log fire. Excuse me, said Beth. But the stranger seemed oblivious to her. Can you hear me? And then something else struck the terrified Beth. No, not only was the woman annoying her, there was no noise at all. The flames of fire, as which should have been crackling with silent, they moved in their merry dance, while a woman which could have had a streaming like footsteps, Beth should have been able to hear a stroke of fire. But there was no noise at all. It was like Beth would watch television. The sound it turned down. Are you the maid? required Beth. And when it stood up without, without the slightest hint of recognition, a sudden glance around the room puffed up. Some cushions on the floor, sofa right in front of the sofa. Beth and left as silently as she arrived, closing the door behind her. Where am I, Beth? Was shaking. Oh, I. Beth was shaking. She looked down at the trembling hands, which still clutched the mitten. Emmett Cullender, a newly revealed picture of a young man, completely in mid thirty, probably in the mid thirties, wearing a crumpled pink suit, striped suit. His blue brown hair was rather uneven, even by mother's standards. Beth intuitively warmed 
for him. But it's something else. Oh, uh, all the other photographs were clearly posed. This one offered a snapshot, a moment of life quickly captured. The figure in the photograph looked unprepared, and luckily surprised. Beth made her way to the door and opened it quietly. Footsteps on the tall, cold, tiled hall floor and her breathing were all she could hear the large silent house. He jumped as another maid, almost identical to the first, glided silently across the hallway, carrying a large tray with a teapot and china cups and saucers. May not twice at the door to the library, but opening it and disappearing inside. Beth narrowed her eyes as she glimpsed what appeared to be long, long dead relatives, vaguely familiar from the photographs. He saw one of the ladies holding a baby, a baby in a pretty white dress. They appeared to be laughing, joking, but Beth couldn't hear nothing. She had watched the maid knocking on the door, so why hadn't she heard it? Deciding to explore, she crept upstairs, turned the corner of the landing, and walked straight into a tall figure, who towered over her in the candlelight. She screamed loudly. Hello, boomed the man in the white, in a form finished home. Look, looking up, she saw the trousered hair from the, from the photograph. It was him. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop him, he said. Are you all right? Who are you, she said. She asked. Not unreasonably. I'm the doctor, he replied, smiling badly. As the thought that answered everything, he took her hand, shaking it vigorously, and are you, and you look quite lost. His voice trod off as he waited for Beth to do herself. I'm Beth, Beth Summers, and I'm not lost exactly. This is my grand house, what I think it is. It looks so different. They are maids here, and... and before she had a chance to continue, tall stranger, the doctor interrupted her. Are you suddenly found yourself here, alone in the dark, not knowing who or what brought you here? Beth nodded slowly. Do you know how do you know Doctor Doctor Suck Samir sharply through his teeth. Sorry, no clue, no idea. Sorry. He grinned broadly, a wild crimson snarl that Beth instantly trusted. Oh you must be my responsibility now. I'll get you back home, I promise, he winked at her before asking what the date was, what was the date this morning? December the 9th, 16th, 2009, she replied. Beth was coming calm, calm, down now, her iron raced to progress, both process of doctor and flying, and moved, was flying, and moved back in time. Oh, very good, Beth Summers, replied the doctor. You're quick, I like quick. And yet you moved back in time. It's December eighteen fifty nine. But that's not that. How is this possible? You don't look as though you're from ninety from eighteen fifty nine. You're wearing trainers. Your hair doesn't even look very Victorian. Beth laughed despite herself. The doctor inventory ran his fingers back and through his hair. Hmm. Well, you know how it is. One minute you're knee deep in giant moths and screeching companions, and next you're in a stroll on one of these twin twin moons of Faria. I've been busy. Before he continued, the door off the, the, the upstairs landing opened. A smartly dressed man in butler's uniform emerged and swiftly walked past them quickly, but deliberately stepped down the steps before towards the front door. Come on, I wanted to try something, said the doctor, as he sped after the doctor, hesitating and emotionally. Beth ran frankly between us down the stairs and after a new friend. Well, he's fast, she thought herself as he caught up with him. Breathing heavily, the do- butler opened the door and began welcomed the lady and gentleman. They're standing outside. Beth and the doctor 
stood to the door, side of the door, door about to his mouth, moved, but no sound came out, and the man suddenly replied, trying to sneak past them out to the snow, says the doctor. But I'm not dressed as snow, Breath protested. She looked down at her skirt and slippers. Just try, urged the doctor. Beth moved around the lady, who was not removing her coat, and reached the threshold, but before could go no further. Try as she might, she couldn't step through the doorway. My feet won't move, doctor. I can't step over. So neither of us can leave the house, wondered the doctor. Beth turned her head sharply towards the newcomers. Oh, don't worry. They can't see or hear us, said the doctor, monitoring to the people stood beside him. However, did this, this, this want, whoever did this wants us to stay inside. Now, let's see if we can find something to eat in the kitchen. We're planning the next move, as the butler suddenly could scold you to do this at the library. Dr. Beth walked crossly across the floor, across the hall, and bet footsteps echoing around the house. Whatever causes way beyond current earth technology. TARDIS, the TARDIS interrupted. Who's young girl? My ship, the TARDIS, was drawn here by temporal signature. I entered the house and was a flash. I found myself, I don't know, out sync with reality. Some sort of temporal slip. Not being able to hear or any sound or side of it. Side effect or clue or, or both. Not from Earth, asked Beth. Eyes wandering in disbelief. Well, no. For some of my best friends are humans. He said cheerily. But it, you don't look but you don't look alien, she preserved. Perceive perceived. No, aliens should come in all shapes and sizes and look. Very well, just like me like, like you and me, replied the very human looking doctor. As they entered the kitchen the cook was suddenly barking out orders as the maids and footmen burst themselves busy themselves with their duties. Kitchen's hot the house, I always find, said the doctor. And more importantly, the best place to find mm, where we go, they carved two ginger slices from fruit cake. They're still warm on top of the oven and handed one slip. Slapped to Beth. He sat on the stalls in the corner of his room, watching the silent servants and tucking into the cake. The question is, why are you here? wondered the doctor. I can think of quite a few reasons why someone would want me out of way of a fraternity, but why you? Thinking it has something to do with this, said Beth between bites, showing the doctor the other counter. He used to belong to my grandma's great-grandma. That's her in the picture. Both pointed to the baby, the photograph. And look, in in this window is me, finished a puzzled-looking doctor. He moved a pair of dark-rimmed glasses from his breast pocket and perched from them atop his nose. I see what you mean about the hair. Best smiled as the doctor tried to make light of the situation, but, could, but she could make sense his concern. He fished his pockets and pulled out a long, cynical object, a blue light at one end. I wonder what happened if I did this. Doctor activated a device which emitted a whistling sound as the blue light lit up. Now that's interesting, that's the master of the doctor. The ghost of the experiment both glanced around. Doctor, she stammered. Oh, there. Now you're a clever little thing, he wondered. Clearly distracted by the candor. Doctor! Half screamed, the chest light, tightening in fear. Doctor looked up and saw the maids advancing menacingly towards them, their arms outstretched, a pure, white, unseeing eyes. Doctor, he's back, 
Beth back into the corner of the servant's relentless glance continued. They are going to be torn limb to limb. Beth closed her eyes tight. Nearest maid reached towards her. The blank-eyed maid reached towards Beth as the whistling sound of the doctor's voice ceased. Slowly opening her eyes, Beth saw she was back in her own grand's kitchen. No servants, no doctor. He was still clutching the, the elephant gunder. I'd been examining moments later. He leaned on the kitchen table for support. The grand bustled through the door, carrying half a dozen bulging bags. Beth let out an injury yelp at her sudden appearance. Sorry, dear. You didn't mean to startle you. Her grand eyes flickered. You all right? You look like a white as a sheet. I'm fine, Beth croaked. I didn't hear you coming, that's all. Before her grand could, could quiz her further, she mentioned some of her homework and dashed upstairs. Beth was in the bedroom, changing of her pyjamas into jeans, trainers, long sleeve blouse and a warmest cardigan. If she's going back, she wanted to be warm and ready this time. She wanted, she had to go back to help the doctor. Picking up the upright calendar, Beth turned to the torch and relieved from her grand's toolbox earlier. She crept out of her bedroom and made her way to the kitchen. Standing in the dark room, lit illuminated by only the torchlight, he peered at the wish watch. Slowly, the second hand moved round the slow until the three hands pointed at the number twelve. At, it was midnight. Taking a deep breath, combination fear and apprehension, Beth reached the seventeenth, the seventeenth floor window and slowly opened it. Beth, be the doctor. They were, they were alone in the kitchen, and she he carried a lantern. I knew I could count on you. He blew out the lantern's candle. How did you get away? Asked Beth. Mm, well, the maid to reach you. Well, the maid's reacting to my snake screwdriver, Dr. Bunching. Secret, three strange gadget before slipping it into his suit pocket. Saw it as a threat and a scandal. But when I switched it off, the threat was gone and they just carried on what they were doing, as though nothing happened. Dr. Voice is what he's trailing off. He looked at the candle and went from. As he took the candle from Beth and examined it once more. Ingenious, I mean wrong. Very genius. Whoever behind his made the equipment looked like an only avant candle. They got their dates a bit mixed up. But still, it would have just provided if you if you hadn't provided a clue, Beth, I should doubt if I realised this was just the key to everything. He smiled that smile again. Thanks. But what's on our next step? We'll find the original character. Kind of the one that is everything discovered, that the one that you eventually discover in your grand attic. Now, I wonder where. How about the library? It's a good ideal place for all that, all that shelving. A library? Oh, I don't. That's wrong with libraries. Nothing like our libraries. I love libraries. Just lately, every time I visit libraries, something. Oh, come on, the libraries is it? It is. As they crossed the library hallway, the doctor suddenly stopped suddenly. He glanced over the grandfather clock and stood against the wall opposite the front door. Slowly he made his way over to it, staring intently at his face. Bev, how long did you say you've been back? She thought for a moment. A few moments at most. doctor stood aside and she saw the clock. Clearly it was one forty-three. Bev watched in the sun. It was nearly... Quarter to two. What's, how's that possible? 
she said incredulously. Relative time seems to be accelerating. We need to hurry. Beth shone on the torch for the library. There's a door closed silently behind them. Hundreds of books lined the walls and it was difficult to make fun. Make out of the dark make it make it. it was difficult to make out in the darkness. Beth brushed aside a chair, she hadn't seen the gloom and caught her breath. The doctor touched her reassuringly on the shoulder. It's okay, Beth, everyone's asleep. The doctor reached for a book and pulled it from the shelf. Bleak house, he proclaimed. One of Charlie's best. He went to return it to the shelf, but some powerful force tore it from him. It flew from his hand, hitting the curtains the far end of the room. Beth's eyes widened, and she saw the dozens of books were moving of their own accord. With no warning, the book turned towards her, narrowly missing her head. Then another whistled towards the doctor. Another and another. Burst in action, squinting across the room, pulling up her chair and sweeping Beth up towards the door. Beth reached for the handle, but he wouldn't turn. Yeah? I can't turn it, she said, as his book flew towards them. Beth painfully aware that it was striking the doctor, who was shielding her with a vicious assault. The scrunic screwdriver whistled as the doctor directed it towards the handle, but still it wouldn't budge. You won't be able to withstand this for long, Beth realised desperately. Suddenly she ducked under the doctor's arm and weaved away across the room, dodging the heavy box, staring for the air. This way, she yelled. She felt left felt underneath, out on the shelves. Her anxious fingers pressed a concealed indentation. Got it! A stretch of walls swung open as Beth and the doctor peeled through the opening to escape the barrage. The door slowly shut behind them. Breathing heavily, Beth leaned against the wall to catch her breath as the doctor ran his fingers through the air, through his hair. Well, what did I tell you? Me and libraries every time, but Beth, the doctor grasped her by the shoulders, and brilliantly exclaimed brightly, that looks like someone wants to stop us finding the other calendar. There they were stood in a brick passageway. This leads to a living room that I painted my grandmother showed me years ago. It's amazing we remember a crisis. At the far end of the package, both found the right spot for the brickwork. Doors slid open, flooding the passageway. A bright light, the unexpected glare, mobilely blinded them both. But their eyes quickly adjusted and made their way into the room. The curtains were open, and on the bright white snow covered lawn, Beth could see the strange blue box she'd noticed earlier. There's something definitely reassuring about it. But now she's distracted by a more imagined presence. A stranger stood by the sideboard. He's back to Beth and the doctors. He's examined something on its surface. He half turned and Beth distinctly took a step back. He's pale, tall and thin, very thin, smartly dressed in dark, dark suit with a tiny white carnation in his buttonhole. Beth looked, took off the torch, turned off the torch. Put it down on one of the sides of the tables. The doctor was looking at the clock over the mantel. It's nine ten already, he announced. The thin man moved towards the chair, picking up a newspaper from the sideboard as he went. Beth could see his small, bark beard eyes. Beady eyes, all wound spectacles and thin moustache. He sat down in a deep red gentleman's chair. The doctor moved towards to the sideboard, and Beth saw looking at it. It was the advent calendar, brighter and newer than hers, but undoubtedly saying the doctor finished.
fished in the front of his pocket, a pocket and put it aside the other. I wonder he he had the chance to slip it in there. He thought Beth. A crackling noise came from both frames. The bright blue, bright blue light arced between them like tiny bolts of lightning. Now that's interesting, murmured the doctor. That shouldn't be happening. He reached for the frame, searching back his hand, and the bolt and lightning struck. Yep. Well, that should that should realize would hurt. Doctor took a step back. It's part organic, he mused. That's that's the only explanation. Organic? They made of metal. It's not a metal known on Earth. Beth, I have some kind of organic alien technology. Not a type I recognise. That's rare. I'm worrying the organic matter is what that's the, what's causing the power discharge. Beth looked blank, and the doctor added, "Exact same organic matter, which from different times touches a large amount of energy is released." He spoke. As he spoke, the doctor glanced at the man, looking directly at him. Who are you? demanded the doctor. The waif looked like a figure, lowered the newspaper without breaking the glaze, and turned his head over, so slightly retained eye contact. I'm taking, giving you a choice, the doctor declared. Release us now and leap easily. Oh, I know. I know you're not human. I could help you. But if you continue with this, I will not be responsible for the consequences. Doctor's house voice heard a dot undone, but it was not, there was no reaction from the stranger. Like a cold, blank, unblinking stare. Suddenly he stood and went quickly walked from the room. Beth and Doctor ran to the doorway. We know where they've seen. Where did he go? He couldn't have crossed the hall quickly, exclaimed Beth. What's the other next door? Beth asked the Doctor. The dining room, Beth replied. The dining room, replied Beth. Fear creeping in the voice. Doctor looked down, looking down, looked down. I said gently, oh, it's okay. You don't have to come with me. I want, I want you, don't want you to. You stay here by the fire. Beth looked back into the living room and shuddered. No, I say for you, Doctor. Doctor moved towards the dining room and gently edged open the door and stepped into the room. And immediately it was dark and literally a flash of light eliminated a large, single large candle which held a dozen sunny lit candles that hung over the long dining room table. Beth kicked herself for not keeping touch of her. The eyes adjusted to relatively gloom. There was no sign of quarry. A pale blue light throbbed through the darkness. Without exchanging a word, he moved cautiously towards it. Despite the danger, Beth had a sense of calm, and somewhere in her subconscious she realised the light soothing, a silence tricking her, trapping her. As they crossed the room, she could see a light emanated behind the drawn curtains, the light, a soft moving light. The sudden, with a sharp sudden flash, the doctor took a curtain aside, and both screamed. The thin man's voice stared back at them. As she felt the moment's relief, she realised he was, he realised he, was on the other side of the window, but a deeper sense of dread claimed her as he turned around, turned, looking across the lawn. He wanted them to see something, this handling smile, there no doubt of its nature. The blue box they'd seen earlier was now encased in arcing blue light, light was some kind of prison. Doctor smacked his own palm against his forehead. Of course, he shouted. I thought he wanted uh, uh, me. Us out of the way? That's all it 
That's not, that's, isn't it at all? He wants the TARDIS. He's using lapsed temporary to break down the defences. That's your ship. Oh yes, no time to play, Beth. But the alien wants the last functioning time machine. Yes, we need your advent gunner to stop him. Did you say time machine? The doctor was already sprinting towards the door. It slammed shut before him. As Beth ran forward, she felt a breeze above her head. The chandelier had had started to spin. It was gaining speed. It ran faster and faster until it strange slightly snapped. Beth involuntarily winced, suspecting the candles crash to the table before, the, but the candle hovered. Chandelier hovered. She glanced towards the doctor in amazement as the flames of the candle merged into one intense blaze. Suddenly, the spreading candle circle moved swiftly towards them, and Beth instinctly pushed the doctor to the ground. The flames whipped through the air where his head had been moments earlier. Thanks for that, breathed the doctor anxiously. It scrambled under the table as the flame renewed its salt, dragging blow after blow onto the table top above. It's not going to protect us for long, whispered both. The doctor was adjusting his skeleton groove through the and telling her to re- remain where she was. He rolled out under the table and bounded to his feet. Reacting to the movement, the chandelier flew towards him. The doctor aimed the skeleton groove driver directly at the approaching flames that activated it. Nothing happened. The circle of fire sliced towards the doctor. Beth unfaintly dug her arms in the floor, pushing herself away from the inevitable disillusion. The last moment the wine from the electronic screwdriver increased to her octave, and Shanley was halted, seemingly fighting with the device for control. A look of fierce concentration on his face, the doctor intensified the slink emissions. And then it was over. The flames tripled in size to a dangerous, terrifying second before the chandelier stopped spinning and crashed to the ground. Come on, he shouted. Come on, shouted the doctor to Beth. They raced towards the door, but Beth put a hand on the doctor's arm, bringing him to a halt. He was taken from... It had taken them a moment to register. Noise, but they both hear but little tiny whispers echoing around them. Numerous voices... Talking disjointedly, a baby whirling. The trap is closing, reality is breaking through. Those are voices of people that live here. We're nearly out of time, Beth. I need your help, as you are. Are, are you any good with her? Come on, I was waiting it through, there, through there. He stood waiting for them as they entered the, the living room. We flooded with the daylight. The doctor moved towards the frames and the blue electricity. More intense now, the pale alien stared coldly at them, seemingly unconcerned about their presence. Doctor reached for Beth's urban conga, whispers growing louder and louder, reaching crescendo of deafening volume. Beth nodded her, nodded her, nodded her understanding, and the doctor snatched up Beth's conga. Energy surged from him, through him, and the doctor was thrown across the room. As the alien watched him crash to the wall, slumped motionless to the floor, Beth seized a chance. She quickly took the scissors of being photographed with the camera she had been concealing behind her back. Instantly he vanished. Beth knelt beside the doctor and propped his back against the wall. He, he was wounded but otherwise unhurt. Every window of her frame was now open, revealing 24 to different photographs of the alien, a photo that she had taken. Slowly the images of the alien dissolved, revealing the photographs 
found him beneath. The voters of the eerie room. The doctor vanished too, the race boy. More innocent pictures. It's over, said the doctor. Quick, quietly, the doc, Beth helped her understand. The whispers were gone too. Place where it sounds a busy household. We better be off before they we notice. I think we're fine. We'll be able to see us now. How did you know that taking photographs of the nailing which happened instead of instead of us? Asked Beth. They crossed the lawn at say so short time later. Some humans believe that taking someone's photograph steals his soul. Lately, was ta- using technology. I worked on a similar principle. We u- we used that knowledge against him. And you had a camera the higher time time. Ah, well, you know how it is. You pick things up, put them in your pocket, forget where they put, where you put, they're, they're, they're there before you really need them. That's time we got, we got you home, Beth. Some as before, your grand starts to worry. I've had enough excitement, Lily. To last me a lifetime, she replied. Doctor unlocked the TARDIS door. As he stepped inside, he smiled. Got loudly from him. He followed into the ship. His shipman hesitated before closing the door, glancing towards the lawn, posing in Victorian house for a second, the doctor thought. He saw a pale figure watching him from the other side of the garden. He gently closed the door, and moments later the TARDIS demiratized, observed, observed by a solitary watcher from a distance before he disappeared too in the morning air.